Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The Biden administration has tried to separate its policy towards Iran's de facto pursuit of military nuclear capability from the other concerns it has with Tehran's Mideast activities, as well as the brutal suppression of domestic dissent. While a revival of the so-called JCPOA, or 2015 nuclear program, is officially off the table, there are ongoing efforts to craft a compromise, including primarily through Qatari mediation. At the same time, the U.S. is denouncing the Russian-Iranian axis and minimally retaliated in Syria against an RGC Quds Force proxy, which killed an American and wounded over a dozen of others. Where are these rising tensions leading to? To explore this matter, we're joined from central Israel by Dr. Omer Javed Onfal, who is an Iran lecturer at Reichman University. Thank you for joining us, sir. Also joining us elsewhere in central Israel is Colonel in Reserve Miri Eisen, who is a TV7 Powers and Play panelist, as well as an Israeli public diplomacy, security, and intelligence expert at ICT at Reichman University. Thank you for joining us as well, Colonel. Shalom. And also joining us here in the studio, of course, is our TV7 editor-at-large, Mr. Amir Oren, host of Watchmen Talk, Powers and Play, and so much more. Uh, Amir, give us a broader understanding on the complexities related to the tensions rising between the global superpower, the United States of America, of course, and uh, albeit a secondary power here in the region, uh, it seeks also to be a a superpower in its own terms, uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran. So it's tempting to focus uh, on an event uh, such as the uh, Iranian or Iranian proxy attack on um, uh, Americans uh, in Syria and then the retaliation and try to extrapolate from this particular isolated event and uh, find some general context. But it would be a mistake because one should look at the general strategic overview of the Biden administration and find where Iran fits in rather than the other way around. And it is obvious that um, in the administration's third year in power, third and penultimate, maybe they will be uh, re-elected if Biden runs, if he's elected. And if But he... right, right now, this is the third out of uh, the um, four years of his uh, current uh, term. Obviously, he uh, doesn't want to get into another war in the Middle East. Therefore, he is not looking for a fight with Iran on on any uh, pretext. And he is separating what has happened uh, on the nuclear um, arena, whether it is really off the table or whether we will see another table being rolled in in order to put the JCPOA back on it. And the Qataris are all already indicating that they are trying to mediate uh, between Tehran and Washington and the other activities uh, which you uh, mentioned. So all in all, in the Middle East, um, Israel notwithstanding, not the current domestic uh, crisis, the United States is in a holding pattern. It doesn't want to get involved 
more than it is already. It is withdrawing forces needed for either Europe um, regarding the Ukraine war or mostly for the uh, Pacific uh, Arena, the Indo-Pacific uh, Command. And therefore, um, what it does vis-a-vis Iran is minimal rather than maximum pressure. Of course, we heard uh, Pentagon Press Secretary Pat Ryder, Brigadier General Pat Ryder, uh, speak about uh, the fact that the United States is not interested in neither conflict nor war with Iran. Uh, but at the same time, just last week, of course, we had uh, uh, the former deputy director of the National Security Council of the United States, uh, uh, as well as uh, a former uh, senior um uh, Commander within CENTCOM, of course, Brigadier General Kimmett, uh, joining us here in Jerusalem studio and, and explicitly notes uh, it's not an isolated incident. The 79 or 80 attacks Iran perpetrated in the last two weeks uh, was only a small fraction, considering the fact that if we take one year prior uh, into 2020, uh, there were more than 300 Iranian attacks against well, US forces. Well, not really Iranian, Iran related proxies. IRGC uh, affiliated militias, so it's it's more blurred. Well, uh, you know, uh, for political reasons, I agree with you. For non-political reasons, and when we're talking about reality, uh, when uh, Iran establishes the framework of the operations of those proxies that are trained, funded, and equipped by the RGC, ultimately. It is a long arm of Iran uh, executing those attacks against U.S. forces. And whether they hurt, end up hurting or killing an American, uh, that is uh, uh, notwithstanding within the context of the fact that they do attack American forces. And as General Kurilla, uh, commander of CENTCOM, already mentioned, the, the Islamic Republic of Iran is not deterred by the United States at this stage, something that is quite alarming also for Israel. Uh, Colonel Eisen, how do you view the current context of uh, the various challenges at hand? I look at it, what Amir was just talking about right now, Jonathan, what you were talking about right now, and I'm going to kind of come at it in a different way. You can't just look at it U.S.-Iran, but I think that we're actually looking at a redrawing of lines of what we mean, both when we say Middle East, and you had said before that Iran aspires to be a world power, And I'm going to add in a few names that we haven't said. Russia aspires to be a world power. China certainly sees itself as a world power. And the U.S.-Iran relationship is directly, as far as I'm concerned, um, impacted right now by the U.S.-Russia and Ukraine issue, by the U.S.-China, by the Pacific. And it's hard to see it in an isolated way. So all of these new mediators, China mediating an agreement between Iran and Saudi Arabia, Qatar trying to mediate an agreement or to help with the United States to get back to that nuclear table. That's that new arena that we're in. It's hard to call it specifically Middle Eastern. And I'm very challenged both as an intelligence officer and as an Israeli by what it means, because it means that we're actually looking at Iran through those world power eyes. I don't want to go down that road. Iran, at the most, is a regional power, and I don't want us to start addressing it as if it's a world power. That's exactly the slippery slope that will add into it the nuclear capability. That will put it on a different plane, and that is a very scary idea. Mr. Javed Anfal, 
how come Iran is not deterred in this situation? And of course, uh, at a time when, as Colonel Eisenhower says, and, and justifiably so, uh, when we're looking on truly uh, its uh, power projection and capacity, uh, it's a regional power at best, of course, far uh, uh, beneath other regional powers that uh, have been equipped with far more sophisticated capabilities. Um, first of all, uh, I'd like to uh, refer to what uh, our respected colleague Amir Oren said regarding um, blurred lines. I disagree with that uh, thesis. I think when it comes to attacking the United States in Syria, that's a strategic uh, decision that could have severe impact on the Islamic Republic of Iran's security and presence in Syria. Therefore, I think it's extremely unlikely that any of these um, Iranian militia forces would be able to make such a decision without consulting Tehran. So I have to disagree with that thesis based on the, on the major consequences of, of, the, of such a decision on Iran's immediate security and its investments on, on Syria. Um, regarding why is Iran, why does the U.S., why, does, why did the Iranians hit the U.S. and why are they not deterred? Well, I, I think this is something very important for us in Israel to note. The Iranian regime is more deterred by Israel than it is by the United States. However, at the same time, it attacks the United States to punish it for reported Israeli attacks against it. Why does it do it? Number one, because the Americans are not, uh, they're not as responsive as Israelis to Iranian attack. And number two, the Iranian regime wants to create a, a, a wedge between a, a to, to create basically differences between Ira Israel and the U U.S. So every time Israel reportedly hits Iranian targets in Syria, the Iranians hit the Americans instead. Why? Because they want the Americans to say, why are these Israelis undermining us by attacking the Iranians? Because in response to these Iranian attacks, they're attacking us. So the Iranians are hoping that through such attacks, the Americans question their relationship with the state of Israel and their cooperation uh, with the state of Israel. This is another reason why they attack the U.S. Uh, forces in, uh, in uh, Syria. There's another angle to it. Um, look, the, the uh, alliance right now between the, uh, China and Russia is, is a godsend for Ayatollah Khamenei. Um, this is something that you know. The, 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 you know, they say the eyes are the windows to the soul. Well, the mouth is the loudspeaker, and I think it's very important to to note what Xi Jinping said to Putin as he was leaving uh, Moscow during his recent visit. He said, "We're going to change the world in a way that has not been seen in the last 100 years." This is music. This is sweet, sweet do re mi music to the ears of Ayatollah Khamenei, and he sees this. He sees himself as a partner in this uh, in this triangle, and um, although he's not an equal partner, it creates tremendous opportunities for him. And I think this is another reason why he's attacking American forces in Syria, because uh, you know to make America look weak serves not only Iranian interests but also Chinese and Russian interests. And I think by through such attacks. Iran is hoping to add to its value as a, as a partner, albeit a junior, more junior partner, in this uh, in this anti-American front, which China and Russia are are leading. 
which obviously culminated in a joint exercise just recently once again in uh, the, the Persian seas where China, Russia and Iran uh, had a, a naval maneuver together. Mr. Owen? Well, um, you know, the Chinese and the Russians uh, have been uh, parties to the JCPOA and the entire idea that um, this uh, sort of uh, an agreement or deal can be uh, sustained uh, is based on the premise that Russia and China are still uh, going to take part in it and um, stand side by side with the United States and the European powers. But this may not be so, and we may even see Russia giving Iran enriched uranium. Um, while everyone uh, is focused on the question of are the uh, Iranians going to enrich uh, to a higher level to 90%, the Russians can, can make the difference if they decide that this is in their interest following this axis with China, following what is happening uh, in the Ukraine. So the United States, as well as Israel... Or or the Russians realize that it's inevitable and they rather gain something of this uh, calculation rather than just, you know, well, let it happen on its own. It's not inevitable because obviously Israel can uh, decide to strike regardless of, of the consequences. But um, strategically, it may uh, be perceived by Putin um, to, to have Iran under his own uh, patronage. Uh, for instance, uh, with a defense uh, pact saying that whoever attacks Iran is going uh, to answer to Putin, this would change the entire strategic equation. He may put technicians, quote unquote, or even volunteers uh, near Iranian um, infrastructure sites so that uh, either the United States or Israel will find it difficult to strike those uh, sites. And again, uh, it is up to the Russians uh, to do it. Israel and the United States uh, will be powerless um, to stop it. But there was another development recently. After one or two of the Israeli strikes uh, in Syria, the Iranians all of a sudden, um, in, a, in a fit of transparency, published the names and ranks of two of their uh, IRGC officers who were there. Um, whether uh, all of a sudden they want to be uh, answerable to their own audience or whether they have some design in it, maybe they are preparing some uh, retaliation, maybe mayor would know. Indeed, of course, uh, one RGC uh, officer, the other one uh, subsequently succumbed to his wounds from uh, an alleged Israeli strike, a strike that, of course, uh, Damascus attributed to Israel. Uh, but uh, Who else? Who else? I mean, there are plenty Albania? of... Albania? Uh, there are plenty Columbia? of regional uh, powers uh, in the Middle East, including Israel, including the United States, including yes. uh, Turkey, including others who have keen interest on seeing the Islamic Republic's uh, grip uh, diminished in Syria. But, uh, of course, uh, uh, we would like to ask uh, Colonel Eisen, uh, who is uh, the only intelligence officer here, uh, to uh, uh, provide her assessment, of course, uh, within uh, the context of what's possible. 
When I look around right now, I have to admit I'm more disturbed than I've been in the past. Why? Because my assessment looks right now the Iranian Revolutionary Guard capabilities that have been trying to build themselves in Syria over the last decade are nothing new, but they've grown. I think under the auspices of the horrific earthquake that took place in the area of southern Turkey, northern Syria, the Iranian Revolutionary Guards have used that as a way to bring in more weapons over the last month, which is a horrible way to take advantage of a horrific humanitarian crisis. Why am I more worried? Because the axis that we're talking about right now of Russia, Iran, China, Iran is already with us. Saudi Arabia, Iran was done by China. That idea of having all of these different countries now on board mean for me that when you are a bully, when you attack, when you are Russia against Ukraine, when you are Iran encroaching onto that Syrian territory to do what they want, nowadays nobody is stopping them except for Israel. And when we're alone, this is challenging. You have to take into account right now that there is an enormous event happening in Israel, and it is having some kind of an effect on Israeli-U.S. relations, certainly at a personal level, if not at anything else. And this is not the time that I want to feel vulnerable in any way to the U.S.-Israel relationship, to the idea of the security alignment looking at Russia, at China, at Iran in that enclosure. And that disturbs me from the intelligence point of view, because we have an amazing, intimate, clear relationship with the U.S., and this is something that needs to be strengthened right now and not weakened. With that being said, Mr. Javed Onfal, of course, spoke about uh, uh, attempts by Iran to establish a certain wedge uh, in the, the relations between the United States and Israel. But when it comes about cooperation and, and the alleged strikes uh, or the strikes attributed to Israel, obviously any Israeli strikes conducted in Syria are fully coordinated with the United States, uh, first and foremost, and jointly uh, uh, considered in, in various uh, um, rooms, uh, whether it is in Washington or here in Israel. Colonel Eisen, you wanted to interject? Just to add into that, that I want to remind everybody, if you portrayed before that idea that Amir brought up, that perhaps the Russians would be the ones who would come into Iran and then make it very difficult for us, the Russians already in their presence inside Syria also in the intelligence terms mean that you have to do some kind of coordination. You don't want to inadvertently hit Russians inside Syria. So you're already with that as well. Indeed. Dr. Javel as you worked very hard for your PhD, I keep uh, uh, forgetting that transition uh, that happened uh, not so long ago, but uh, indeed. Uh, Dr. Javel your take on this? Yes, it is a time to, I, I agree with the, uh, Miri, uh, on, on, uh, Colonel Eisen, sorry, uh, regarding uh, we have to be worried. If, but but I, look, I'm not a Russia expert, although I did half of my PhD on Iran-Soviet relations. Um, I would have to say we, we also have to take into consideration that, look, uh, what happened in, in, in Ukraine on the 24th of February 2022 was a geopolitical earthquake. And after every earthquake, the new lines uh, created on the map and, 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 the, and the ground changes, the features change and, we do it, and priorities of the people who live on that land change and those who deal with it. Um, one of the consequences is going to be ultimately is that our relations with Russia are going to deteriorate. Not because Putin wants to, but because, because Putin doesn't have a, a, another choice. Iran is increasingly important to the Putin regime uh, for the supply of the UAVs, 
the Iranians are now also going to create a corridor through the country uh, to enable Russia to export uh, goods to the uh, to India and to make it to and and to shorten the the time taken to import and export goods uh, to India. Iran's are going, Iranians are going to do barter uh, trade with Russia. Uh, they're going to buy. Uh, they're going to get gas from the Russians, and in, and in, uh, in, instead of paying the Russians, they're going to export their own oil to Russia's customers. Um, so this means that Russia will have to uh, distance itself uh, from Israel through different through different policies. We see already that they're going to supply them with the Sukhoi 35. And I think sooner or later, it's also going to impact what's happening in uh, what's happening in Syria. So I think this is something that we are worried about, but we should be worried about. On the, but on the plus side, I think the Iranians also have things to worry about in Syria. Look, um, the uh, Assad regime is going to improve relations with Saudi Arabia. Assad regime is going to improve relations with the United Arab Emirates. These countries want to rebuild Syria. I assume that Assad also wants to rebuild Syria. This this reduces the strategic value of Iran to, to Syria, precisely because Iran uses Syrian territory to threaten Israel. And this leads to reported Israeli attacks and which then destabilizes Syria and thus make it, makes it more difficult for, for Assad to rebuild this country. So I think in the long run, Iranians also have issues to be concerned about regarding the, the, the geopolitical changes that we see that are happening in the, in the region, specifically with regards to bringing the Assad regime back in from the cold. And there is, of course, a continued rivalry between Russia and Iran, with all that it has to do about uh, uh, various uh, tenders in Syria, uh, various ports, uh, and, and that's tactical, though. That's not that's not strategic. That's I would say that's more tactical. It may be tactical, but it has uh, its uh, various implications uh, with interest groups, of course, vying and, and influencing the Kremlin from uh, different angles. Mr. Owen, the Iranians, um, uh, contrary to what. Uh, may come out in the media following uh, such raids, uh, the Iranians have not made uh, gains since uh, Qassam Soleimani's assassination um, three years ago and, and three months. Uh, they have tried to maintain their presence, uh, obviously, uh, with Hezbollah and in Syria as a corridor to Hezbollah, and Israel has fought it, um, but the uh, tenacity which uh, Soleimani uh, has manifested, uh, and he was very creative and very impressive professionally, we have not seen that uh, with his uh, successors. Even though, uh, and I think there needs to be a, a clarity about the, the focus, if Soleimani was focused on the Middle East, on Iraq, particularly with Hashtashabi, the popular mobilization forces, with Hezbollah, with, with uh, Syria, the various proxies there, uh, Ghani, the, the current uh, commander of the Quds Force, was much more focused on Afghanistan, which now we and see... And Yemen. And Yemen, of course, but now we see a lot more Afghani forces loyal to Supreme... Uh, uh, leader Ali Khamenei coming to Syria, coming to those areas and providing more of a backing to the current Quds Force commander, different uh, tactics within... But, uh, but we have not seen 
um, any real manifestation of that uh, against Israel. Of course, right. this is a, a force buildup. They are preparing uh, for another day. They are helping Hezbollah, and uh, Hezbollah um, is deterring Israel to a great extent. But nevertheless, um, the, um, the great momentum is no longer there. So it's maintenance rather than momentum. We have three minutes exactly before the end of today's uh, edition, and I'd like to hear each and every one of you roughly one minute uh, on an assessment for the near future. Colonel Eisen, we'll start with you. I think as I look forward, I'm for the first time really worried about the United States stance in the Middle East, fully understanding that next year is election year, fully understanding that for over a decade now, United States does not want to get back into a war in the Middle East. And as such, you know, out of Iraq, not involved in Syria, out of Afghanistan, we are now eating that um, policy here in the Middle East and it's grown out of the Middle East. And I think as we look forward, we need to understand that the entrance, the stronger entrance of Russia, Russia has always been here, the stronger entrance now of China, for us are disturbing elements that are going to change the way that Israel in this arena relates to our neighbors. And I wanna hope that the United States will continue to actually come back and be a little bit more part of this modern day Middle East. Dr. First of all, we're going to be on our own for the for, for the for the time being. Uh, Israel does not have the United it's Saudi Arabia on its side anymore. Whatever there was, uh, that doesn't mean we should stop trying to improve relations with the Saudis. Uh, we should take every opportunity, but uh, we are on our own now. And I think it's important to uh, to try to strengthen our diplomatic relationship with with Europe and especially with the United States. Uh, although that may sound. Uh, that not may sound that may not sound very realistic these days, but nevertheless, it's a strong recommendation. And also, I think it's very important that from now on we look at Iran not just as a Middle East player, but also as a junior partner in a global axis that's being created. This is very important. This is this is a historic historical development uh, that, that we see developing that, that that we see it in in front of our eyes regarding China and Russia joining together. And I think. This is something that will play a part in Ayatollah Khamenei's decision-making mm -hmm. in the future as well. Other than, um, I must disagree, I think Saudi Arabia has not yet implemented anything that has to do with Iran and is still very much reliant on Western support, both of the United States and Israel, uh, under the table, of course, uh, when it comes to that. Uh, how do you see the complexities developing? There is only um, uh, one uh, missing link uh, in uh, Miri's uh, uh, chain of uh, strategic concepts, and that is that Israel can contribute its um, part to having peace and stability in the Middle East, according to the Saudi plan or the American vision of uh, a grand compromise. Indeed. Well, this is all the time that we have for today. I'd like to thank Colonel Eisen, Dr. Javed Anfar, and Mr. Owen for being part of today's panel. I'd like to thank all of you at home as well. Until next time, Shalom. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.